1: Good morning. I am Ron Wilson, your personal yard boy, talking about yarding. Let's kick off this show with the man, the myth, the legend, Mr. Joe Strecker, our executive producer. Find out what's going on in his lawn, his landscape, and of course, our website, ronwilsononline.com, Facebook page, In the Garden with Ron Wilson. Good morning. Kind sir.
4: Happy opening day.
1: Happy opening day. This week. This week.
4: In, uh, in our area, it is a national. In, in our area, it's a national. No. In our area, it is a holiday. And we had, uh, uh, even though technically, I guess for us, it's not until next week, uh, baseball season started and uh, the Reds are, are going. And you're so, a happy camper. I am going. I am a happy Day camper. The 12th or something like that?
1: 14th? 14th oh, our what?
4: opening day is the 12th, I think.
1: Big parade. They're still doing that, right? Yes. Yeah. Still doing that. Cool. Let me guess, who would be the one throwing out the pitch here in Cincinnati? Ron Wilson. hyped up over. Ron Wilson. Made kind of famous back in February. Ron
4: Wilson. Oh, Buggy
1: Joe. Played in this big game Um, against the Rams. um, Buggy Joe. Hmm. Joe sounds familiar.
4: Hmm. Huh. I'd rather have Buggy Joe throw out the first pitch. I think
1: Buggy Joe would be great throwing out the first pitch. Right. right. But.
4: Wouldn't he? It'll be Joe Burrows, I guess. Joe Burrow throw out the first pitch. I
1: guess he'll be the one.
4: That... Here in Cincinnati. So, yes.
1: Yeah. And I know you're excited because you are a huge Reds fan.
4: I am a huge Reds huge fan. fan. Really I'm a be. huge. A huge baseball fan.
1: Baseball all the time. And
4: uh, even though I am kind of disappointed in what's going on this year, but, you know, I, I will always be a, a baseball fan.
1: Disappointed in what's going on as in?
4: uh, You know, front office wise.
1: Oh, yeah. With this lockout and all that stuff, they went through.
4: Right, yeah. but you know,
1: is what it is. Crazy stuff. You know, I was—I don't know who I was talking to the other day. I was just—and I know this had nothing to do with gardening, but talking about when I was a kid, because I, I couldn't tell you who was in the World Series. You were last a kid. Year. But when I was a kid, of course, there weren't a lot of things going on around the world. I understand right. that, but you know, you knew every baseball team. You knew who was playing who. Right. You knew where everybody was. You knew all the stats. You knew the stats. I mean, you really did. Yep. And today, it's like...
4: Yeah, now I couldn't tell you, other than... uh yeah, things the, have changed. Uh, yeah, right. But other than the home team, I couldn't tell you more than three players on each team.
1: No. And sometimes a familiar name will show up where they floated around a little bit.
4: Yeah, and you're like, oh, he plays for them now. Uh,
1: so that's where he is. I wonder what happened yeah, to him. Yeah. So what was somebody talking about yesterday? Was some kind of a thing? There, the signals now? The catcher's going
4: yeah, they, uh, they, to Yeah, they're going to have a little wristband so that people don't steal signs. Yeah. So they're just gonna hit the little thing on the wristband, and that's the pitch.
1: So the pitcher reads the wristband. Yeah, the pitcher's
4: gonna have a wristband, and he's gonna oh, just look. So yeah, is everybody yeah.
1: doing that? Or is it experimental? I
4: think they're they're experimenting with it, but I'm sure all the teams are gonna try it. Got it. So.
1: What do you feel about that?
4: Uh, whatever. <laughs> I've always Take- thought always thought sign stealing was part of the game, but I guess they don't want to do it anymore. You know, if you you know if you get caught, you get caught. If you don't. Yeah. Don't. I you
1: can pick it up. Great. If you couldn't. Right. If you weren't good enough to discuss it. Yeah. If you were. It. If you.
4: If you're not. If you're not. You know. <laughs> what's the. What's the baseball adage? If you're not cheating, you're not trying. <laughs> Is that <laughs> what that
1: says? <laughs> you're Killing me, Smalls.
4: Well, you know it's. I don't know. It, it, it's kind of part of the game, but you know, whatever. Interesting. It. It, it doesn't bother me either way.
1: Okay. So. Well, I'm glad uh, baseball's back because I know you're I am a big too. fan. I. Yep
4: second favorite sport
1: second favorite next to soccer soccer
4: and i have to because if i'm not i get written out of the will father so uh this mr
1: strecker and mr strecker yes soccer and soccer
4: uh lawn was mowed this past week good for you so that's was that that's the first done one out of the way uh, we, who did it i did it actually no yes i did no
1: yes good for you
4: um uh, Mrs. Strecker, she edged. Yes. And I um I mowed. Good for you. So And so the lawn was mowed. Uh it really showed me that my yard is a mess. <laughs> Just a complete mess. Oh. I, I mean, I don't think that I mean there could be seven garden fairies and I don't think you can fix my lawn.
1: Oh, I don't know about that. That yeah, front yard used to look really nice. the
4: front, the front lawn. Is really, really nice. It's okay. the backyard. Um I, I don't, know where that came from. I don't know what's going on with the backyard. Um we got these little sinkholes now that are popping up. Um You know where that's from it was it used to be roots decompose. That's what I know. That's it's that's from that then the next thing you know, you got a little sinkhole. That's from that uh that big tree that we had back there. That, yes. That got taken down. Yes. And you know, it's just I mean, now it's like a you know, you're you're driving through a you know, a, a war zone back there with your lawn mower.
1: Well, you may have to bring in some tops, good, really good top grade shredded topsoil. Okay. Do a little top dressing in the September. Do some seeding. Sure.
4: What? <laughs> I'm, I'm not killing. I can't kill off my back lawn. I didn't say kill
1: it. I just said come in with some good shredded topsoil, fill all the holes, yeah. in the rivet, the divots, and all of that. Do some seeding. Feed it. Now what kind
4: of is, well, now what kind of seed would you do? Would you just throw seed on top just of it, like or
1: I'd go back with uh, what we did in the front yard, turf type tall fescue.
4: Yeah, but would you t- you just get a bag of it and throw it on top, right?
1: Well, you would don't just throw the bag on top.
4: Well, I take it out of the bag, obviously. Take it out
1: of the bag and then spread it. Right. And then put a about, starter fertilizer down.
4: What about the, you know, the, the, you you start to see, uh, commercials for that. On television, where they have the the seed that you used your hose with, where it's got the the like the green slime that's kind of attached to it. Um, What's your opinion on that? It's under, I mean they do
1: that, Ron Wilson. They do that. Yes, professionals come in and do that for you. Um, I don't know. I've never used those products. I don't know how good they are. I don't know what. I, I'm hoping that you can get the the type of grass seed in it that you want to use in your lawn. So I I, I wouldn't
4: necessarily say I was going to get the one off the television per se, right. but uh, if that is available, at, say a garden center. Would you recommend that over doing it the old fashioned way?
1: Well, that that what that does is gives you a gives you the seed and a starter fertilizer, and it gives you the uh, covering, so you don't have to put straw or anything down. Right. The covering's right with it, so you just spray it on. So it's certainly convenient, no doubt about it. Right. But I've never used the hose in inspir- applicators like that, so I have no experience with them but they do that all the time so mm-hmm. especially for larger areas right and and it keeps you from using straw which is the worst thing you want to use mm-hmm. you know what's interesting bringing that up people sent a picture of their front yard about 10 days ago two weeks ago and this wide blade was coming up out of their grass just in one corner oh no and i couldn't recognize what it was so i sent the picture to joe and said joe boggs can you recognize do you recognize what this is mm-hmm. he looked at it we went back and forth he said that was, was this newly seeded I said, no, it's a, it's an established lawn. He said, it looks like straw to me, or it looks like wheat. Yeah. And I said, interesting. So I emailed the people back, and I said, has anybody done any seeding in your neighborhood? He said, yeah, the next door neighbor is right across the driveway from where that was, and the, and all that blew into our yard. There you go. It's from the straw, and it was the wheat seeds. Yikes. And the wheat was coming so, up in their yard. So
4: Can't do anything when, about it. No. And then when the wheat gets as high as an elephant's eye, it's time to harvest that <laughs> stuff. <laughs>
1: where did that come from? Mm-mm. When the wheat's as high as an owl. I don't know. <laughs> okay, uh, it's not
4: corn, I guess. All right. So the website, Ron.
1: Ron sorry, you got me on that one. ronwilsononline.com. <laughs> dot com.
4: And uh, updates this week. Yes. Uh, last week, uh, I admittedly made a mistake, and uh, the, so the poison hemlock and parsnip stuff is there this week on the website. I thought you were pulling my chain last week. That's only for plants of the week. Yeah. Uh there's an influ- avion flu update, even yep. though it's, it's, it's kind of- Now APHIS it, is involved with it. It kind of has something to do with gardening, because um, the, there's chickens involved. Yep. So, as, a matter, as a matter of
1: fact, our guest today, Lisa Steele, is going to talk about gardening with chickens. There you go. So gardening we'll, with chickens. we'll ask her about that also.
4: If, if you have ticks in your yard, get some chickens. That's or possums. Right. Possums like chickens, too.
1: No. Yeah. And, and they do, <laughs> as a matter of fact- <laughs> No, the possums, they get they get ticks on them oh, and they, they eat get them. Ticks. Oh, really? They're one of the biggest tick
4: eaters in the world. There you go. Um, what is rhizopheria? I don't know what is that. I don't know. It's a it's sick spruce disease. Rhizopheria needle cast.
1: There you go. So That's what we're seeing on a lot of our blue spruce right now and other spruce around the area. If you don't
4: have any idea what it is, click on that link. Yeah. Learn more about it. it.
1: The hummingbirds you are get yourself a farm boss steel chainsaw and cut it down. <laughs> The hummingbirds are back. I'm just back. being honest. What?
4: The hummingbirds are back. Where are they, though? But they're not in our area. What is the deal? It's like they're going around us. It's like I we mean, got even a northern wall, Kentucky. we got a wall around us or something. They
1: went up in uh, Indiana. There's one over in Pennsylvania. They're in the southern part of Kentucky, but nothing northern Kentucky and Ohio. I don't know. What is that? Either we're lazy reporting or they're boycotting us.
4: I think they're boycotting us. Because they're usually here did by something the wrong. first of March. I bet it was Buggy Joe's fault.
1: Could be. Let's blame it on him anyway. Yeah.
4: Because everything's Buggy Joe's fault. But you can see where they are. You can. And if you click on the map on ronwilsononline.com, and you can check that out. Cool. Where are the hummingbirds where in your are this humming area? Birds. Uh, this week, Rita doesn't really have a recipe to, of, of the week. She does have her annual uh, coloring the Easter eggs of natural products.
1: Which can be a lot of fun with
4: kids. Right. So if you don't want to do the... The old-fashioned, not not the old-fashioned way, the uh, the new way, where you get the colors at the grocery store the pos- or the Paws Easter egg yeah. kits or whatever and you want to do it all natural. Uh, the old-fashioned way, the way they did it when Rita was a kid in the eighteen hundreds. Um, and check earlier. it out that way and earlier. <laughs> check it out that way.
1: <laughs> Excuse me, you shook me up on that one too. <laughs> You're just killing me this morning. I'm killing me this
4: morning. So, sorry, Daniel, uh, but Daniel did get some beet red eggs, um, and they do look red. So of the slips live. from eating those. <laughs> yeah, you're supposed to take the shell off Take the first.
1: shell off, Dan. Exactly.
4: Exactly. Um, before we get to the Plants of the Week, guess, yes. guess who- uh, By the way, who,
1: Rita's on with us this morning, too.
4: She is. Yeah. And- uh, uh, now loves, oh, Guess who- this? Guess who uh, contacted me this week? Who contacted it's long, you? It's been a long time. Dr. Z. He did. He actually sent me a, a, a couple emails and talked back and forth. And well, you guys are becoming quite chummy all of a sudden. And uh, you know, he's doing okay. He's doing okay in Washington D.C. Garden eighty three. Yep. And for all the uh, the grief we give him, you know, I always tell him if I'm not giving you grief, I don't like you. So, but he's doing okay. He's doing. I don't he's love doing you, man. Good. If I'm
1: not giving you grief, he's doing good. I love you, man.
4: So uh, the plants of the week. Yes. What was first, your pick? Do your pick first. The Joe Strucker plant of the week is the Swamp White Oak. I love Swamp Whites. How did you pick that one? It is a native to yep. our area. Oh, so you got a native. That's good. Native to uh, the Cincinnati, Ohio area. Yep. And also, I live in a neighborhood called White Oak, and I wonder how they got their name.
1: Huh. I don't know. Could be because of the leaf with the flower. I don't know. I don't know. But- and Why Swamp White Oak?
4: Because- Because there's a White Oak,
1: and yep. then
4: there's Swamp White Oak because uh, it's a nice-looking tree.
1: Swamp white oak is absolutely gorgeous, and you'll find that at a lot of garden centers. It's Once it gets started, fairly good, quickly grow, uh, growing oak of all the oaks. Very adjustable, I think, one of the reasons you like that as well. It takes all kinds of pH levels. takes all kinds of soil conditions. It's a tough, it's a big tree. I'm glad you picked that one. It would be perfect in that backyard to replace that locust be. that was cut it down. It
4: would be. It would be. Uh, swamp white oak. Swamp white oak. Now, your plant of the week is the Easter lily. I wonder why.
1: Well, next next, uh, Sunday is Easter, and so a lot of folks will go out and get their Easter lily for uh, decorations for the Easter season, or churches will have them, and then folks are allowed to take them home after church uh, for Easter Sunday. So it's a great plant, and I think two reasons I brought it up. One is because of the holiday, but secondly is remember that it's recyclable back into your garden, so when you're done with it, you can actually take it and plant it in the perennial garden. And number two, this is one of those pla- one of the only plants I really bring to everybody's attention that it is extremely toxic to cats, right? And sometimes dogs, but cats especially. Yes. So if you have so cats, watch out
4: with the Easter lily.
1: Yeah, I just would not take my chance with an Easter lily. Exactly. So uh, Rita's on today. Rita's on today, and Lisa uh, Steele's on today, talking uh, about Steel. gardening with your chickens. Um. And then Buggy Joe, Buggy Joe and, Gary, and Sullivan, Gary Sullivan. And you and, and Danny Gleason throughout the show. my gosh. And everybody else talking with me about yarding. It's all packed. It'll be packed and exciting. I can't wait. Lots of tips to share as well. Can't wait. I can't either. So let's get move on then. So let's do it. 800 823 8255. Website ronwilsononline.com. Facebook page in the garden with Ron Wilson. If you like what you see on both of those, Joe Strucker had everything to do it. If you don't like what you see, not my fault. Not his fault. Blame. Uh, We'll blame uh, Dr. Z. Dr. Z, Washington, D.C. He loves it when I do that. He loves to get blamed. You're in the Garden (laughs) with Ron Wilson.
4: And Joe Strecker. And
1: Danny Gleason. Good morning. Welcome back. And that feels good to be able to do that because I haven't been able to do that in two weeks. I tell you what, if you heard the show two weeks ago, and I, I was barely... I had to talk like this just to get through it, and you could barely understand what I was saying. But Dan stuck with me, and a lot of folks stuck with me, and we got through the show. Barry White, and, yeah, a little Barry White, all right, baby. Uh, but you know, and even last week, it still wasn't there. But uh, finally, starting to get those hit those higher pitches. Now he start singing soprano again. Um, but uh, that's that stuff. I hate that when you you know feeling bad is one thing, but then when you lose your voice, it's another. Especially if you get the opportunity or you're. Blessed to have an opportunity like I am to be able to do a show on Saturday mornings. It's phenomenal. So anyway, glad to be, get through all of that stuff and uh, and move on. And i tell you what, I was doing the Unkers. I was doing everything. I finally had to do the z pack and all that kind of stuff. But uh, we got it licked. By the way, Dan was kidding me during the break there because always you hear us uh, on our commercials talking about Unkers. And, and you know, he says, is it really working? And it, and it really, it, it does. And, I you know, I, I would never promote something I know that doesn't work. And I've been using Unkers, U-N-K-E-R-S, for years. And it started a long time ago when Joe was sick on the show. And he was uh, producing a show way back when and, and had the flu or something or couldn't get rid of it. And they the uh, Patricia, who owns Unkers, dropped off some Unkers for us to try. And it it really worked, and and I started using it in the studios. I spray it in here, and take a deep breath. It's a great. It just opens up your sinuses and your lungs, and and it really is nice. But it's also good for sore muscles. In that, well, a couple of weeks ago, the little testimony here, uh, our nursery manager, the nursery where I work, uh, you getting sore? He's doing a lot. Of, they're doing a lot of tree planting and things like that right now. And he said, asked me, he said, "What is that stuff I hear you talking about all the time?" And I said, "You mean unkers? I just happen to have." The spray-on unkers for you to try and uh, gave him a bottle of the spray-on, not the 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 salve, but the actual spray-on, therapeutic rub now, not salve. And he now sprays it on his shoulders, his elbows, and his knees, and he absolutely loves it. Now you're out on the dock and walk in the nursery, and people are saying, because you can smell it, it's eucalyptus and things like that. You know, like, what is that Did you have on? And he said, "This. oh, it's anchors, and this stuff really does work, and I love using it, and, you know, Ron Wilson got, got me started on this, and now it's great, and blah, blah, blah. It does work. But uh, one of the ways I like it the best, we spray it in the studios and ah, breathe it in, and it helps to open up those sinuses. All right, quick break. We come back. Phone lines are open for you. It's 800-823-8255. Rita Heikenfeld coming up at the top of the hour, the bottom of the hour. Lisa Steele, we're going to talk about gardening with chickens. Yeah, here in the garden with Ron Wilson. Welcome back. Here in the garden with Ron Wilson. Again, that toll-free number 800-823-8255. I was informed that the uh, garden chat this morning is not on In the Garden with Ron Wilson Facebook page, but on In the Garden Facebook page. We have two of them. And uh, in the garden is where they are chatting this morning. So if you want to chat along with Ron Rothus and others, it's in the garden on Facebook uh, to the gardening phone lines. We shall go Gary in Licking County. Good morning.
2: Well, good morning, Ron. How are we doing?
1: I'm great, sir. And yourself?
2: Uh, well, I had uh, a, a big biscuit with honey. And uh, I don't know if I can get through the talk show with you here. It kind of. And to plug my my uh my mouth. Uh oh so, <laughs> Yeah. Uh I'm gonna I took uh, I got about four listings here, but I'm gonna jump around a little. Okay. Uh yeah. Uh you and Joe there uh oh we're talking and enjoyed your chat. We fellas used to call it ratchet, John. You ever, ever heard that comment or that that statement?
1: Oh yeah. I've heard a couple of people nicknamed <laughs> Ratchet Jaw.
2: Yeah. yeah. And, uh, then I, uh, let's see. Uh, I heard recently a guy, a clerk, uh, at, uh, one of the stores called it, called it Jaw Talk.
1: Jaw, jaw Talk. talk. Yeah, that's interesting.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay. Here we go. Jump around a little, uh, uh, let me see. You mentioned uh, the possum there, Ron, and you and Joe. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and I should say, a friend of mine uh, informed informed me that the possum has one of the softest furs you could uh, touch. Really? Yeah. And it's... if you're like if you're like me, I'm sure most people see that innocent was and they they think yeah he's, he's a rough rough looking fellow you know rough tough looking fellow rather rather than soft and gentle you know.
1: Yep, until you see those sharp teeth.
2: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and now we've got to go with this, Ron. <clears throat> I will never abuse a possum because they kill poison snakes. Yeah. And yeah they will eat them their their uh, the, uh, snake bite cannot uh, hurt hurt them. And boy, I thought that was uh, very, very interesting.
1: I got an uncle that lives in North Carolina, and he's always uh, you know they're out always possum hunting with his dogs and stuff to you know he he's always trying to get yeah. rid of them. they get in they they get do get in the chicken coop. They can cause some problems, but you're know, doing that, and I sent him some info one day, and I said, you know what? You should, you should let those possums go because, I said, one is he's got some copperheads. They find them every now and then on the property. I right. said, you know, they'll take care of yeah. those for you. And I said, the other thing is they are one of the best tick uh, eaters in the world because they ticks get on them, and they eat them off of yeah. their own skin. So they said they can destroy, like, 500 ticks a day. So they said they really Ooh. are pretty good at, at taking care of, you know, helping to po- knock down the population of ticks. Uh, he still goes after them. So di- I didn't slow him down. But – you know, and they they do eat. I think they go after mice and a few other critters like that. So actually, you know, leaving them alone, they're they're not a bad critter.
4: Yeah,
2: yeah. Uh, I would say they probably eat down near anything in front of them, really.
1: Yep. Yep.
2: Uh, um, and, and aren't they a very very old uh, animal that's been around?
1: I I don't I I would get I would guess that they are probably. But you know, that's, again, that's yeah, one of those I mean, things. You know, if you can stay away from them, let them do their thing. Just let them do their thing.
2: Yeah, they are so they just go along. You know, mine, yeah, sure. Uh, my uh, my uncle when I when I conveyed this about the possums, he told me he caught a big possum and transferred it to the other farm. And you know, because uh, he like I was just
1: to say because he he wanted to keep them around.
2: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. He wants them to thin some whatever over on the other farm, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're talking northern Indiana there, by the way, Ron, some of your acquaintance and all. Um, let me say, uh, Robbins, did you know that the robins all migrate to the state of Florida? They do? You- the state of Florida is where the – Problems head yeah, south. Huh? Uh, yeah. Now, y- if you can find out their route wrong, let me know. I don't want to sh- travel their route.
1: <laughs> no, no, and you don't.
2: You, you know why? Oh, absolutely. You, you, but I'm starting yeah, to okay.
1: see him show. I mean, yeah. they're back. They're back in town, and that's a great thing. We've seen them back in town again. As a matter of fact, uh, Monica Brubaker from uh, from uh, Wild Birds Unlimited. I always kid with Monica because you know when they like the, they're an insectivore they like or they love eating insects um, earthworms things like that so when you go to you know how do you feed robins as they're coming back into your area and of course you can use the mealy worms and things like that um, but one thing they will eat that Wild Birds Unlimited has are called bark butter bits and you can get bark butter uh, that you can spread on the on the trunk of a tree and like a woodpecker's neck and eat it but the, the butter bits are like little round pellets. And if you disperse those underneath the uh, shrubs where a lot of times robins will kind of hang out, you know, earlier in the season, they will eat those bark butter bits. And, again, I think I think Wild Birds Unlimited is the only place that you can find those. But the bark butter bits, and that's uh, always been kind of a – I I've always remember that. And one thing that you can actually feed the robins uh, as they start to move back into the area, and you'll see them hanging around. As a matter of fact, she was pointing out that we – Every now and then, it seems like you will see a robin, even during the wintertime, kind of hanging out as the temperatures have gotten warmer, not migrating quite as far south or or moving as much um, as our zones. Temperatures, of course, have changed a little bit and uh, kind of hanging around a little bit more. You see them a little bit earlier in the the, uh, spring season, late winter. So, you know, again, that's all starting to change. And we're seeing that in uh, insects. We're seeing it in trees as the, as the zones start to change. Ron Rothus a few weeks ago talking about the uh, zones and the in the, in the uh, climate change, things warming up, and, of course, uh, how insects will follow that and uh, plant populations as well as things continue to warm. But, yeah, and the birds, too. But, anyway, bark butter bits. You can get those from here, Wild Birds Unlimited. And they, they're, it's, it's, birds love them. Uh, and, again, like I say, you can smear it on the bark of trees and the woodpeckers love it as well. All right, quick break. We come back. We'll jump back into the gardening phone lines at 800-823-8255. It's all happening here in the garden with Ron Wilson. So back here in the garden with Ron Wilson. Again, that toll-free number, 800-823-8255, talking about yarding. Don't forget our website. It's ronwilsononline.com. You can check out all kinds of great tips there. Uh, Rita Heichenfeld coming up at the top of the hour. Uh, you can see her recipes there for all-natural egg dyes. We're going to talk about that with Easter coming up. And, then, of course, at the bottom of the hour, Lisa Steele. She's the queen of the coop. Yep, she knows more about chickens than chickens know about chickens. And we're going to talk with her about gardening with and for your chickens. Everybody seems to have, you know, the two, four, six hens in the backyard now. How do you garden with them and for them? Lisa's got the answers all coming up in our next hour. In the meantime, back to the Gardening Phone lines. we shall go. Courtney in Missouri, good morning. Good morning. Hi.
0: Ron, I love your show. Always listen, and I have just flooped growing green peppers last year. Honestly, they seem to almost grow down, not up. I wonder. My tomatoes, everything else, I did fine with, but my peppers, I've just bombed. Can you give me some advice?
1: Um, what happened with them? They just did. They did didn't produce well. They just declined. What what what, what were we seeing?
0: I grew acorn squash, I grew cucumbers, I grew long neck squash, right. uh, tomatoes, tomatoes were great, but my peppers simply just seemed to stand there. They were in a good sunny location, well drained, right. and I don't know if I have watered them. I've never, had a, I've never had such a disappointing crop. And you talk strongly about container growing. I'm wondering if that would be a better option than putting them back in the garden.
1: Well, you know, again, for everything else to be to do exceptionally well and the peppers to not. Now, you know, the peppers like good, even moisture in the ground, but on the same token, they'll take it a little bit more on the drier side rather than being wet all the time, or, you know, like the moisture the tomatoes would love to have. And so when I talk that about... maybe
0: my problem.
1: Could be. But I'm
0: pretty much treated them the same.
1: Right. Could That, 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 that may that, be
0: what you did wrong.
1: Yeah, that could, that could be. Have you, have you done peppers in the past?
0: The last few years, I've I've had a few peppers. I've never I've not had a good crop good in a long while.
1: All right, then you know then I would probably give that a shot. Now, if you do the container peppers, uh, do still do some in the garden just so you have a comparison. But do some in the garden, uh, maybe even uh, where you plant those peppers in your garden. Maybe you hill it up a little bit more. You know, mound a little bit, get it up, raise those up just a tad more than you would everything else that's, oh, that's in the garden. A
0: good
1: idea. See if that helps to okay. keep them a little bit warmer. And drain a little bit better. So try that. But do a few in the containers as well. And if you do, um, 18-inch diameter by you know 12 to 18 inches deep is probably the smallest size I would use for peppers. But they okay. I, I've always okay. had tremendous success with peppers, like I say, in the container. Um, you still remember there's no nutrient value value in those potting mixes. So uh, you know, they they have all kinds of compost and things like that, but you've got to add Calcium. You've got to add, you know, some kind of a fertilizer, plant food, uh, and obviously they'll be counting on you for watering as well. But make sure you do add. And I like using uh, like a spoma's Tomato Tone, which is good for peppers as well. But it adds calcium to it, so we don't get into blossom end rot. So make sure you do, you know, add the fertilizer to it. Feed them as needed through the season. Not big feeders, but you know, supplement as needed. Uh, let them okay. soak them well. Let them dry out. Soak them well. Let them dry out. As we get into the summertime, only water is needed. And then let's compare the two. But I would try mounting them up in the garden and then try a few in the containers. And then, Courtney, now we're going to count on you calling us back to let us know how it all turns out.
0: Well, I will. Your advice has been stellar on my Nadinas. I don't know if you remember my – I lost near all of them a couple of years ago in that, when yes. it got really cold here in Joplin area. And most – all of them did come back. They do not look – they just now look like Nadinas again. Good. But – your advice has been great, and I'm still limping along with my poor Japanese maple tree. It made it through the summer. I wish it would either live or die. It just, <laughs> I hope it doesn't hang on the fence again. <laughs> yeah, I hate, yeah,
1: hate to give up on them, don't you? Oh, yeah. It's yeah. magnificent
0: for years just it it couldn't have been a more picture perfect specimen and last year it 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 was with us and it's budding again and i hope it comes all the way back with us this year it may need an early demise if it does to us again this year as it did last frankly
1: yeah i was going to say you know there is a point where i find that's why i'm in the garden and you know i give it a couple years three years and if it just doesn't come through sorry you gotta go and we try something else so
0: yeah, we're about almost we're we're we've given it its last notice, so we're hoping it'll
1: <laughs> either, wake either. up and
0: come back and be what it should be. There you go. Either, <laughs> on, either your do program it. Is one I love your program. I always listen, and you really give good advice, and love the folks you have on it, like Rita coming up.
1: All right. Well, so I pre- thank I pre- you for your advice. You're welcome. I appreciate the call. Keep us posted. All right, you got to let me know uh, how that turns out for you. But uh, that you know that could be the and again. If you have a situation like that, and and everything else is growing well, I was going to say, you know, always have the soil tested, see where you are there, see what you may be missing. But if the tomatoes are doing well, everything else seems to be doing well. That you know, you're probably okay as far as uh, as your as far as your soil nutrients or pH levels and things like that. But it's still always good to have the soil tested every couple three years just to see where you are, especially that pH level, which is very, very important. And for the most part in vegetables, you know, they keep it neutral. Sometimes, somewhere in that six to the lower six, for the most part, uh, is where you want to keep that. But again, it, you know, give you an idea of where you are, nutritional value and things like that too. Always adding more co- compost, especially in the fall, to uh, keep putting that organic matter back into the vegetable garden. As a matter of fact, I think you find may find that if you've gotten into some of the leaf diseases on tomatoes and that that may be soil-borne diseases. Um, every year if you can continue to increase that organic matter into the soil we have found over over years and research has shown that the as we can work more and more organic matter into the soil um, we see less and less soil borne diseases by having that organic matter in the soil so you know always continue to do that but it's, it's fun sometimes to compare compare with the, the uh, container uh, with what's growing in the ground but remember when it's in the container um, you know, it's counting on you for watering, so you've got to water a little bit more often than you would if it was in the soil, in the ground. And secondly is when you're doing a lot more watering in the container, which don't forget, you can help cut back on that by using Soil Moist, it's a product called Soil Moist that you can add to the, to the to the potting mix. It actually holds moisture. They swell up. It's really cool. It swells up about 20. It looks like a large grain of sand, but it swells up about 20 times its size. Uh, with water, and then as the soil dries out, it re-releases it back into the soil, so you don't water quite as often. Really does help. It's called Soil Moist, and then the other product is called Core C O I R. It's a uh, coconut hulls all ground up. It looks like sphagnum peat moss, but it's real airy, but yet it helps to retain a little bit of moisture as well. So you can cut down your watering a little bit uh, time of watering by using those products in your mixes. But, um, you know, again, they're going to count on you for watering. And so you're going to be watering a little bit more often than you would if they were in the ground. And if you water a little bit more often than you do when you're in the ground, remember, then you're also leaching through the nutrients a lot faster through the soil because you're watering more. Water will carry that away. So you may have to feed a little bit more often in containers versus in the ground. So that's why I'll always, you know, when I'm freshening up potting mixes right now and getting the soils ready to go and the containers ready to go for the spring season, freshening them up. And even though I'm using some compost maybe or pine fines or or the cow, which has composted manure and composted peat, I'll still add something like Osmocote, which is a slow-release fertilizer, a very light, even feeding, and it does last through the entire summer season. But that helps because, you know, it helps to keep the nutrient level up. And then I, su- I will also add, depending on what I'm growing in the container, so like then I'll come back with that Espoma's tomato tone, which has uh, I think it's 9 or 10% calcium uh, to help prevent t- the blossom end rot, and that also can happen in peppers, so that's why I use it in both. I'll mix that in with the soil as well before I plant. And you can also top dress with that as you as you go through the season, or you can supplement with a water-soluble fertilizer which doesn't last as long, but you can supplement with that uh, as we go through the season as well. But you're going to do that a little bit more often in containers than you will if growing in the soil. So you've got to keep up with that, and you've got to keep up with the regular watering as needed. Let them get close, especially the peppers. Dry out, soak them. Dry out, soak them, that type of a thing. Um, And I've always had great success. It seems like peppers just do such a great job in containers. Uh, But again, remember, it is container gardening. It's different than growing them in the ground. Uh, and you've just got to keep uh, up with it a little bit more than you would be doing if you were in the soil. So we'll see what happens, and hopefully Courtney will give us a buzz back uh, later in the summer and give us an update on what's going on with her, her peppers and how well it worked. Speaking of planting a vegetable garden, frost-free date. Boy, I'm starting to get a lot of questions about when's our frost-free date? When can I go out and start planting you know, tomatoes and peppers and things like that? we got a long way to go in our area. Remember, 45-degree soil temperatures are typically about a minimum to start planting anything in the vegetable garden, whether it be peas or onions or potatoes or whatever it may be. Those early crops, the kales and the cabbages and broccolis, carrots, that type of thing, radishes, uh, about 45 to 50 degrees minimum before you get started. But when you start looking at really t- you know, cold, tender uh, annuals in the garden, like tomatoes and peppers, um, your direct seed of squash and things like that, you know, now we're talking temperatures 65 to 70 degrees in those soil temperatures, and we aren't even close to that yet. Now, container gardening does give you the opportunity for it to warm up quicker, and you can move them in and out to get an earlier start. And that's why I used to always kid that the yard boy had to have the first uh, ripe tomato on the block, right? So I would use an early ripening tomato in a container that I'd move in and out all the time to get a, get that early jump so I had the first uh, ripe tomato. Um, but watch the soil temperatures; very, very important. And your frost-free date, let's say it says uh, frost-free date in your area is uh, first of May. That means your chances of frost are 50% or less at that date. So you're going to watch soil temperatures, but you're also going to watch the air temperatures, and it means 50% or less. So find out what your frost-free date for us it used to be May 15th. Now it's April 29th for that 50% or less. But don't tell anybody I told you that stick with May 15th quick break we come back Rita Heikenfeld in the house and then Lisa Steele all the next hour here in the garden with Ron Wilson